Welcome to Just Checking In. I'm Becky Buckman. And I'm Kiana Corliss. Each week, we'll use humor, a little irony, and definitely some self-deprecation to dive into the world of high-tech corporate comms. We'll use our expertise and less-than-serious take on the tech news cycle to bring you the best in the business across comms and media for one-of-a-kind insights and perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Get ready to laugh and maybe even start a tweet thread. This is Just Checking In. I cannot believe that we are here and we are launching Just Checking In. So I think, Kiana, we should probably start by explaining to people, why did we call this podcast Just Checking In? It's because it's the most annoying thing we do as comms professionals is that we're literally always, hey, just checking in. When's that story going to run? Just checking in to see if you're covering my IPO. Right, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, it's an ode to the Just Checking Inners, I think, Every tech journalist will either cringe or appreciate it, and I'm fine with either. Exactly, exactly. And to your point, on this podcast, which we're launching today and are super excited about, we are interviewing both technology journalists as well as technology comms professionals, because this really is content for comms professionals to help them do their jobs even better in an environment that is completely crazy, probably the craziest tech and market environment I've ever seen in my career. That is the biggest understatement. The world that we live in is bananas. And I know, so we're going to have Alex on shortly. From TechCrunch, Alex Wilhelm. He's our first guest. Yes. And he's going to talk about just how bonkers it is. I probably won't talk a lot about where I work on this podcast, but I do work for a tech company that is, you know, raising a ton of money and honestly should be like shooting fish in a barrel when it comes to coverage. And the fact that it is not should tell you everything you need to know. I mean, it is harder for people to get hype. But then you see things like Lucid, the car company. Yeah. That's worth like more than Ford and it has yet to deliver a car. And you're like, wait, the hype machine is real. So (laughs) which is it? Is it easy to make hype? (laughs) Right. I'm like, is this 2000 and Cosmo.com? Only old people will get that reference. But What was Cosmo.com? I think (laughs) Cosmo.com doesn't sound so crazy today, Kiana, but as I recall, it was a real-time delivery service. And so if you wanted a Big Mac or a frozen yogurt, which is what people ate 21 years ago, remember that was the Seinfeld episode, you would just call Cosmo and you could somehow order it and some dude on a bicycle would bring it to you if you lived in a major... Is that what we refer to as DoorDash or Uber Eats? Pretty, pretty much, right. And Amazon Fresh is Webvan. So we have... um, We've come full circle. Somewhere in the world, the founder of Cosmo.com is like, WTF, I came up with this 21 years ago. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, so again, we're super excited to launch Just Checking In to try to offer some advice and some sanity in what is arguably a crazy environment. This week, things got even crazier. We kind of thought we were coming out of COVID, at least I had hoped we were. And then the market tanked last week because of the new South African variant, which is Omicron. We think that's how you pronounce it, Omicron. I honestly thought we were still at Delta. (laughs) So the fact that we've made it all the way down to O is concerning. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, listen, we're going to get going. Let's tee up our first guest, Alex Wilhelm from TechCrunch. We had a long conversation with Alex. We actually had this conversation a few weeks ago. So we talked a little bit about TechCrunch Disrupt, but given how fast our environment is moving, that's sort of in the rearview mirror now. So we kind of skipped ahead and talked with him about some market-related issues and and his views on the big themes that he's covering today. Yeah, I think you guys are going to love it. We're super excited. We're so thankful that you've tuned into our podcast. And this This will be launching every Friday. Let's do it. Just checking in, guys.
I'm so excited about our first official podcast guest, Alex Wilhelm of TechCrunch, arguably like the most amazing, influential, and definitely on Twitter, well-read uh, tech on journalist. Yeah, <laughs> Mostly on, on Twitter. Twitter. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. That introduction was so generous and then so not generous so quickly. That was, I, I've never gone plus to minus so fast I in my can't, life. I can't let your head get too big, my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's totally fine. I, I do think I'm better read on Twitter than anywhere else, which is more of a comment on my addiction to Twitter than anything else. But uh, it's not a great thing, I don't think. We got to tell the people, if, if you don't follow him, at Alex. At Alex. Who did you pay for that? I uh, I bought it off a guy in Mexico back in 2009 for mm. all the money I had in my PayPal account, which was $50. And I think that was all the money I had in the world at that time. So Okay. Money well spent. Money well spent. <laughs> Turns all out, right, listen, yeah. We've all been around a while. We've seen booms and busts before. Do you think we're in a bubble? Is this something that's more sustainable than the initial dot-com explosion 20 years ago? Yeah, I don't think there's any functional comparison to that era, because those were all businesses that had no fundamental kind of like economic activity underneath them. Whereas the companies we're talking about today are often growing rather quickly. And so they're building valuable revenue. I mean, like software revenue is one of the most valuable substances in the world, recurring high margin and it expands. So huzzah. Uh, the only question that I have is are investors prepaying a little bit too much for growth? And so, you know, you hear about early stage companies raising at a hundred million dollar valuation with like you know, 300K in ARR. That's a revenue multiple you're going to struggle to grow into. Um, and so I'm glad I'm not holding those particular bets. But I mean, VCs have to be competitive on on valuation, aka price. And so that's just where things are today. But it's it's uh, it's no sweat off my back if those bets end up being lackluster long-term because I work for private equity and therefore I, uh, you know, work in a different world. I forgot that. Yeah. Right. TechCrunch is okay. Right. But so, you know, that it makes sense. You know, it seems like the the bets are a lot of the bets are paying off. The pandemic sort of accelerated, especially from the cloud IT perspective. Like a lot of those bets paid off big because of the the sort of acceleration of of tech. You know, do you think that um, you know like we're going to keep keep going at that pace, or does that have to slow down, or or did we just accelerate something that was going to happen anyway? Well, I think I think definitely there's some of that. I mean, Satya Nadella at Microsoft said we had like, you know, I don't know, X number of years of digital transformation in X number of months. And you can kind of fill that in however you want to. Uh, I think that really did help a lot of companies. But all those gains, all that accelerated growth seems to be priced in already and the, and some. So I'm long-term bullish about software. I'm long-term bullish on technology and its place in society, especially as, as change you know, picks up speed over time. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're not ahead of our skis in terms of what things are worth today. And I think that once we see interest rates move and we see the value of other asset classes rebound a little bit in comparison to technology shares, I think we'll kind of better figure out where we stand. But structurally, I don't see much on the horizon that could really shake up the current market dynamic. I mean, short of an asteroid or a hot war with China, I mean, what's really going to slow or change things? I don't know. And so I'm kind of medium term thinking we're going to stay roughly where we are. Maybe not Q2 levels of VC spending, but certainly, you know, high levels for some time. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think there's a slowdown coming? 
Right, Becky, you tell me. Right, right. I'm not, I'm not paid to have an opinion on that. But I mean, I, <laughs> Neither I, I am would I. just say that. Like, I mean, to be but clear. I mean, the reason, uh, the reason we asked the question is that, um, you know, I was a journalist like you back in 2000, yeah. you know, through 99, 2000, when, you know, I used to work at the Wall Street Journal and my editor, Don Clark, during the height of the dot-com boom, would walk through the newsroom and say, where is the free sushi tonight? Because there was a party every night that you could just, you could always go to. So when this happened, right, that was my frame of reference. So when the pandemic happened, I think I was just thinking, oh, my God, of course, corporate IT budgets are going to shrink. Right. Of course, people aren't going to buy as much of this B2B technology. And instead, I was frankly surprised by the acceleration, like Kiana said, about the adoption of all these other you know, B2B technologies, enterprise infrastructure, data, analytics, whatever. But then also some of the consumer companies that maybe saw a short-term hiccup but then bounced back. And I, the question for me is how how many of those consumer habits are going to stick post-pandemic? I mean, we're not, unfortunately, we're not post-pandemic yeah. yet, right? We're still kind of mid-mired in the pandemic. I, no, I, I, I mean, everyone's going to still use their Peloton, I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is just Kayana exactly. bragging that she's more consistent on her bike than I am. Um, she is. And on the tread, tread plus, keep your children yeah, away from it. That's say, all they tell you. Don't, don't you have kids? Aren't you worried about that? I do. Uh, I keep them away from my treadmill. It's a locked I, room. I, I have a death trap in my house. Go go long piton <laughs> stock. Uh, no, I think uh, Becky make a great point about consumer versus enterprise. Uh, I think what we found in the pandemic was that enterprise software isn't a nice to have. It's the absolute kind of sinew that holds American and global business together. And so it wasn't something you could kind of decrease spending on. In fact, you had to have more of it. On the consumer side, I, I am more bearish. I mean, frankly, I spent more money on delivery in the last year than I probably should have. Uh, just because, you know, savings, hashtag. Uh, and so I think that some mm -hmm. consumer behaviors will snap back. I think gyms won't be dead forever. I don't think DoorDash will grow at the same paces for, forever. Uh, but on the enterprise side, where a lot of capital has flown, I, I think it's hard to see what could really change the dynamic in the next, I don't know, six, 18 months, somewhere in there. I really do think some of these things were also inevitable. I mean, I, I don't think we were all going to go into the office forever. I think eventually we were going to figure out that Zoom was going to be a thing or that telework, that we could do email from anywhere. And so would it have taken it you know, longer? Probably. I mean, look, I, I live in Denver and, and I've worked in tech my entire yeah. career. So I've been doing the you know, the Denver to Seattle or Denver to San Fran commute since it was cool before it was cool. Um, did you just say San yeah, I was Fran? Gonna say. I'm just checking on that. Cause is that, that you're not, not a thing? No, that's not. You're not supposed to say that. What am no. I supposed to say? SF yeah. or San Fran. San Fran is the one oh. thing you're not allowed to say. Um, but I, I, I only ever say San Fran, you know, <laughs> Becky's going to like, we're going to keep this part in the podcast. Totally. How can we not? Yeah, you have all the parts when you guys screw up, you have to keep all the parts when I screw up, you have to cut. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah. guest rule. Totally. Totally. Wait, I, I have been walking around calling this place San Fran. Like Yana, that's don't yeah, your friends that. need to tell okay. you better, that's because a, that's that's a that's yeah, a pretty big that's fox a pass. rookie mistake. That's a fox pass. Well, I have mistake. been right. flying to Seattle and SF, as some may call it, uh, since before it was cool. And I remember it was a big deal that I refused to move because I love mm -hmm. Denver. And I was like, I don't need to move, man. I've got yeah. this. We're doing just fine. And then the whole pandemic happened and everyone was like, look, you don't need to, you know? And so I do think there's a hybrid world. I actually do think we still need offices. I don't think we like all should go remote, but I think that a lot of those things were going to happen eventually. Anyway, we just like, you know, moved the timeline way up. We, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, the cloud was going to happen anyway, 
great. Let's move, yeah, <laughs> move the exactly. timeline up a little bit. I, I think once you decide you can hire anywhere and that the global talent market is your talent market versus people who live within a 20 mile radius of your office or will move there, it's hard to go back. You know, A lot of big companies are run by people who love office environments because that's what they were raised in. But like, whenever I think yeah. about Apple's new campus in Cupertino, Oh man, it feels like a boondoggle. I mean, look at that thing. It's enormous. This is the size of a small city. Yeah. And they probably don't need most of it. I mean, yeah. No, I think, I, I think mean, that's a college campus, by the way. Like, no, it's much nicer campus. than a college campus. Let's be entirely <laughs> <Right>. real. <laughs> like, I mean, what college campus comes with its own, like, spaceships, you know, paint scheme on it? I mean, it's crazy. That's yeah. Mine did yeah, not. Mine did the, not. The God. fine people at Carnegie Mellon did not have a spaceship. Well, what? Well, so once I want to talk about the media business a little bit here. So maybe that's a good segue, which is TechCrunch does have an office in San Francisco that I have been to, which is right down the street from the battery office. But haven't a lot of you guys always worked remote? Yeah, TechCrunch, right? Even people. Yeah, who yeah, live, even yeah. oddly yeah. forward on this one. Like Sarah Perez has been in uh, Florida forever. Um, yeah, I, I used to. When I joined TechCrunch, I didn't go to the office for my first year because I didn't see the reason to. And then I realized I was in my apartment too much. This is back when I was like 24. And I was like, I'm getting weird. So I started to go in just strictly because I needed the the human contact. Um, no, but I mean, TC has always been kind of a strange little organization. And it feels like we were correct about this by accident. And then the rest of the world decided that remote work was fine. But it's not like we were trying to trendset, if you will. It's just like the people that we needed weren't in San Francisco. And so we had more of a distributed workforce. Do, do you think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in media. There's a lot of layoffs, there's restructuring, journalists are spread thin. There's, I mean, and then there's a whole other side of, of things, but it's a, it's like a crazy time to be in media. Do you think that sort of this, uh, like remote working, you can work from anywhere, you've got a bigger, you know, applicant pool, so to speak, like, do you think that's going to help? Mm. Or do you think we're kind of far gone? You know, it, media is a strange place right now because a lot of advertising revenues are pretty strong right now. And given the subscription kind of like growth in journalism in the last couple of years, some pubs are pretty okay. Like, I mean, not to talk about my own team that I'm not really speaking for in general, but like TC is doing fine right now. You know, that's, it, and it's yeah. nice. That's mm-hmm. why I'm still employed there. Um, the distributed workforce thing makes my personal life a lot better because I don't feel like I'm in the wrong place all the time. But I, I don't think that media is going to lose its geographic focus given the need to cover communities, if you will. And so where there are yeah. kind of congregations of people, either like a small town or an industry or whatever, I think you'll still see media congregate around that. And given the place that cable news still holds in our society for reasons that boggle my mind. Um, I think you're still going to see a lot of journalists uh, around areas that have either satellite television studios or the main studios themselves. Yeah. So you're going to end up with a lot of New York, San Francisco, LA, Boston. Um, but I don't like going on TV, so it doesn't bother me. Podcasts are fine though. Podcasts are great. I mean, we can do this whenever. <laughs> Television's stressy. It's not worth it. It's so much stress for like a minute and a half yeah. of being yeah, time yeah. consuming. And it's CNBC. Yeah. Like it's watched by like 88 boomers. Like who gives a shit? <laughs> it it does feel like people are paying for content a little more though. I feel like a few years ago it, it was like such a thing. And now I feel like people pay for, people just pay for content. Well, every I feel like it used to be, you know, the Wall Street Journal had so you know, the New York Times had the limit of articles, the journal had a paywall, then it was TechCrunch Extra Crunch, but I feel like everything is pay now. Yeah. Right. It's very rare that you can get any content without paying for but, it. But but I think people are paying for it. Yeah. 
is yeah. is the thing. I think that we've we've hit a point, and it I, I don't remember who I saw it this morning, and I can't remember who it was, but someone was saying that some very large percentage of their paying customers were actually people under forty or something like that. Interesting. Mm. And it was, and the the joke was, and they said young people wouldn't pay for co- like content. Oh, or something I see. Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what what? So one question I had for you though, this has to do with like future of the media is. You know, when I was at the journal, what started to happen was people saw the writing on the wall as far as the slow death of the ad-based business model, right? You know, first it was Craigslist and classified ads in the paper, and then it was online advertising where you didn't make as much money. And people started doing events to generate revenue. And I think, you know, I've paid lots of money to go to these events, as have some people at my firm. But what now with COVID and this kind of like perhaps permanent hybrid kind of working arrangement. What's going to happen to all these events that were kind of cash cows? I'm assuming they were cash cows for you guys and others. Yeah, I think um, I don't have any recent data, but during my first stint at TC, I think we were somewhere around 50, 50. So that's, that's Interesting. a, that's a number that's like seven years out of date, which is like 10,000 years in our world. That's why I feel okay. Sharing is that it age of the dinosaurs? Because, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, think about it. That was, that was in the early unicorn days. Yeah. That's when box was going public. Like that, that does feel like an, like an epic yeah. ago. Um, I think I've been pleasantly surprised at how events have translated over to the digital world at TC, which is my main lens into this, right. into this question. And the cool thing is I didn't have to fly anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's great. It was lower stress for me. I didn't have to worry about finding an iron in a hotel room to make my t-shirt look less crappy. I could just have my housekeeper do it, which is great. Uh, and there is so so much to unpack in that sentence, by the way, (laughs) you're ironing your t-shirts, but then the housekeeper is doing like, I'm like three things in there. (laughs) Well, I don't know if she irons them, but she folds them for me. And so that's, that's betting She's just folding Alex. I I don't think she's ironing. Well, they they don't look as wrinkled as they do when they come out of a a backpack when you fly is what I'm saying. Unpack that one. I got you. All right. I got you. There we go. All right. All right. Jesus. Tough audience. (laughs) Anyways, uh, the nice thing is the events are often cheaper. So at a lower price point and more um, geographic availability, because they're just online, so they're everywhere. I think it opens up access. And back to the point about paid media, one thing that I'm concerned about is constraining the access to correct information only to people who can afford it. Because then, you know, the truth is expensive and lies are free. And I think we've seen the impacts of... um, less, uh, I don't know, like correct media in the last couple of years to be polite about yeah. it. And that, that worries me, but generally speaking, more access, lower price point, I'm in favor of it. And so it would be fun to see my team. I haven't seen them in, uh, really since I, I, I since I joined TechCrunch again, I've been to the office once and then COVID hit and I haven't been back since. So I haven't seen most people in person. Um, which is a real bummer, but it's been fine. I mean, what can you do? But I, I do think that overall access improvements are, are worth the the price of losing some convenience of hanging out in person. Yeah. All right. One last question for you and then we'll let you go. Uh, You are, I mean, we joked kind of about Twitter at at the beginning of this, but like you actually, you have a personality and a brand on Twitter. (laughs) You know, people, people know you, you let people get to know you. Um, You're definitely, you know, like out there. How do you sort of manage that uh, in, in the world we live in, like you have a brand, you have a following people, you know, like to think they, they really know you, but then on the the flip side of it, you're, you're a journalist. And so you're, you're writing objectively on things like, how do you find a balance there? Do you think we need a balance there anymore? Like, what are your thoughts there? That that's a really great question. And my answer to it kind of sucks, which is that I don't <laughs> think about it much. 
Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, and so whenever people say that I have a brand, I have to kind of grudgingly admit that I do, but it's not like a brand that I'm actively trying to put together. The only thing that I do on social media uh, that's kind of like less than organic is if I tweet too much about like heavy metal and in formula one, I'm like, shit, I should definitely tweet about the stock market just to kind of like fill it back in. (laughs) But that's the only real, uh, I I just can't shut up and people haven't made me yet. And, um, so until I'm, I'm, you know, forced otherwise, I'm just going to keep on kind of being myself. I think it's an enormous luxury and a privilege that I get to do that. And the publication that I work for lets me, um, you know, have fun. And uh, if they didn't, I'd go to something else. But I mean, like, I, I, I like my job because I don't have to check myself at the door. And uh, in return, I really care about the space that we write about. This is the part of business that I find the most interesting. And so I'm willing to throw myself into it and the trade works out. Um, but I, I couldn't imagine going to work for, you know, big name newspaper publication where I would have to uh, wear their jersey all the time, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and not be allowed to be myself. That That's not appealing to me. Um, maybe I was born in the wrong, you know, era or decade, but I am a millennial and therefore I am, uh, trying to enjoy myself as I go through life. So, but, but you make a good point though. Um, because I think, I mean, having worked for one of those big publications in the past, we were, you know, it used to be, you couldn't even register. I think you're, you were supposed to not have a party affiliation for yourself. Oh yeah. You you weren't supposed to register. Yeah. Right. And I think Bob Woodward like doesn't vote. Doesn't he not vote or something? I mean, he takes it to a crazy extreme. Yeah. That's, that's too far. I, I, I've tried to stick to that actually, the the not registering to vote thing. But, um, I met our local city council council person and he came to the house and you know we met him he's lovely and so i had to register as a democrat to vote for him in the primary but there was a thing you could register vote and then deregister all in the same kind of rotation and i did that and then they didn't deregister me so now i'm technically a democrat even though i was trying to i mean like to be clear i'm not a neo-fascist so i'm not a republican um but you know (laughs) i i I was trying to at least not have that letter on my jersey Uh, yeah yeah that's that's a less controversial statement to make all the time i I gotta as time goes on i do love your answer though but you just don't think about it because i think that there is a lot of people who think real hard about it and yeah i mean i know you and I, i i actually i know you well enough to know that that is the truth that you really just don't. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people that, that actually really do think about it. And I think that, you know, you can tell when it's genuine and when it's, when it's not, you know? And so. I, wait, I do, I do have to make one small addition before we go. There yeah. is this terrible moment when someone that you, you find out that someone that you respect, like that you actually think is like smart and cool yeah. and that you discover that they follow you on Twitter and you look back through like your last 25 tweets <laughs> and they're all just garbage. And you're like, oh man, this person's gonna think that I'm a moron. I really gotta shape up and stop tweeting about croissants. And oh then like God. three days go by, and you're like, oh well, I didn't grow up. I do actually very much enjoy your weekend runs to the bakery. They seem lovely. I know, yeah, I know. It, I don't have kids. Okay. It's it makes life a lot easier. Oh my God, All we're right. so glad you could come. This was so much fun, Alex. You're like super guest anytime. Thank you. All right, talk soon. Bye, bye. Thanks for listening to Just Checking In. Follow us at at Kiana Corliss and at Rebecca Buckman. Just Checking In is a studio pod media production our producer is teresa buchanan and our show coordinators are nicole genova and alex karkos 